I got hurt, but help me MD and turn me back into a healthy MC. Welcome to Farms Not Farms Radio, episode five. We're here with Dr. Bob. How you doing, Dr. Bob? I am alive and reasonably well. Well, <laughs> so today, Dr. Bob, you know, every time I get on the phone with Dr. Bob, I always say at the end of the phone call, I wish I recorded <laughs> what we just talked about. And so, um, you know, Dr. Bob and I are just sitting here talking and, uh, I just want to open up our dialogue to the world because I, I feel that this man in particular really uh, pays attention to information that needs to be shared. So wh- wh- where are we at? So hopefully everybody that's listening to you knows that we have an endocannabinoid system that regulates everything in our body from conception until death. And hopefully also most people are aware of the basic principles of genetics and gene expression we have dna and that stores the information and then we make rna as a transcript and then we make our proteins which act as enzymes and allow the reactions to happen so that's that's basic reality the question is how does that all happen and is there more to the story than what we have uh, learned thus far both as individuals but also collectively scientifically is there something missing And the answer to that question, I believe, I've discovered that, yes, there is something significant missing, and it's the basis of how everything works. How did we get here, and what really are we? So I wrote a little book, a little monograph called uh, In God We Rust. (laughs) (laughs) There's significance to the title, God, G-O-D, generalized open system dynamics which has to do with far from equilibrium thermodynamics which is how flowing energy organizes matter and therefore expresses creativity so from my perspective uh god generalized open system dynamics is how flowing energy creates everything how it creates life how it creates society Everything that we know and are is because flowing energy, God, has manifested itself over billions of years of the creative process. So the book explains, really, the little monograph explains how uh, this flowing energy has taken on a very unique uh, partner, so to speak, in the development of uh, the plan, so to speak, the life plan, the, the will of God, if you, if you like to use you know, regular religion, religious terms, that they're appropriate in this situation because this is the science that links science and God in a religious sense to, in that we now have a scientific basis for creation and for how we work. So I'm not going to elaborate on all that now, but that's in, the little, in this little book, okay? And what I thought would be interesting to discuss was how this has been read by a number of people. A number of PhDs have commented that, you know, this is clearly something significant. And yet, when I bring it to people who are embedded successfully in the pharmaceutical biomedical establishment, their eyes roll as though... This is something crazy, but yet nobody ever comments on it and says, oh, this is crazy because they just give you like a stupid look. 
Now, to understand the significance and why I have this concern, is I've sent this out to about at least probably 150, 200 professional scientists who are specifically engaged in related areas that support my contentions. And by the way, I've got about 28,000 articles on my computer that support my contentions. So I'm not pulling this out of my butt. Uh, this is something that has enough documentation that it should be considered. But in fact, there's enough documentation and clarity that it should be more than considered uh, because what it does is it extends our conventional view. Like the conventional view is that over time, by some magic, uh, enough complexity occurred and by accident DNA occurred and by accident life emerged and by accident evolution happens. Well, guess what? That's not supported really by science other than in very limited circumstances. What is supported by science is that, in fact, our metabolism is the basis of everything. That metabolism comes before DNA, that metabolism literally makes DNA, and furthermore, the metabolism as it responds to the environment and to the stresses actually changes the DNA for our survival. This is the exact opposite of what we are taught. And it's not to say that what we are taught is not true, but it's to say that that's part of a much bigger picture. And the much bigger picture comes to very, very different conclusions because really we are all in one big test tube. It's called the planet Earth. It's actually part of a bigger test tube called the universe. But let's just be a little, a little practical and look at the test tube planet Earth. And what we see is that as complexity evolved, we had the evolution of the endocannabinoid system to the point where when vertebrates emerged, we for the first time had a cannabinoid receptor, the CP1 receptor. And it's very simple to understand what's going on as long as you're not a, apparently a conventional scientist, then it's too hard for you to understand. But what happens is the CP1 receptor regulates efficient energy production in our cells, which on the one hand is great because it's efficient energy that allows your cells to develop in the same to a complex organism in the same way that our societies composed of individuals com, com, can develop to a complex organization. All right. It's, it's the same thing. It's about flowing energy. You know, you can't have a complex society powered by dung. So we essentially have in all of our cells little nuclear reactors in the mitochondria that make energy efficiently. The problem is when you overload those reactors with too much fuel, which we do when we eat carbohydrates, we cause the leakage of that reactor. And in the case of our cells, that means we leak free radicals. And free radicals are essentially what radiation produces. So it's a very strong analogy here. And what we wind up doing is we wind up damaging ourselves as we build ourselves. So we have to build into the equation, how do we minimize that damage and how do we repair the damage? You know, imagine if we never cleaned our garbage in our cities and if we never repaired anything and everything was left to decay. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when we eat too many carbohydrates and we don't eat enough fats. When your cells use fats, it's not the same as when they burn sugar. When they burn fat, they turn on cellular recycling of free radical damaged components so that they basically fix themselves. 
the resurrection comes through fat burning. And it's so amazing is that the CB1 receptor regulates the nuclear reactor, but that reactor has to be turned off when it's creating too many problems. And the CB2 receptor turns on fat burning, which then allows for the repair. And this paradigm extends right down to the level of your stem cells because your most fundamental stem cells that can become anything, they burn fat. And stem cells sit, and sit there doing nothing so they don't age. And the little that they do, they do burning fat inefficiently, but very safely. And in order to turn into something, to differentiate, carry out higher level functions like nerve transmission, muscle contraction, or kidney function, for example, in order to do those things, we, we need to turn on that nuclear reactor. And our cells do that by turning on by being turned on and having the CB1 reactor controller have that happen. So CB1 turns on efficient but dangerous energy flow, and CB2 turns on less efficient but repairing energy flow. Very simple. And what are some simple ways to stimulate your endocannabinoid system to turn on your CB1 and or CB2 receptor? Well, CB1 is largely only really turned on by cannabinoids, you know, by THC. And there are some, another few plants. I, I posted, I reposted somebody's post the other day that described all of that. Um, but in general, people are only really getting high off CB1. But some of these other herbal uh, remedies have concentrations high enough that they can affect mood and etc. You know, and just not in the profound way that uh, THC and especially in high concentrations can. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is that when you take high concentrations, that's when you really activate that CP2 receptor that turns on the fat burning. And uh, very important to keep in mind, and, and this will describe more of my altered version of gene expression is that when you first have a cancer cell what that represents from my perspective is a cell that's trapped in what's called aerobic glycolysis it's trapped making energy in an inefficient but safe way because when you came in and used chemo and radiation those are the cells that survive because those are the cells that can't amplify their damage so what you have now is you know a living cell and you have a genetic condition that is not able to replicate and promote the life, further life of that cell. But nevertheless, it's alive and energy is flowing. And what it winds up doing is it winds up modifying its genes uh, so that they become then, so that the metabolism is basically written down in the scroll of life in the DNA. It's the metabolism that comes first and then focuses free radical imbalances on the genes that are giving survival to modify and amplify them, which is the foundation of evolution. So what we see is we evolve in a very targeted fashion in response to stresses in order to change the DNA of the genes that give us survival. This is like heretical, <laughs> but I'm quite certain it's real. <laughs> and so in terms of surviving and transitioning, that that function is supported by the endocannabinoid system? Yeah, because CB1 
covers one end that allows our nuclear reactor to work well, and that's actually how we evolve our brain. Uh, we, we see that the CP1 receptor is always in the newer areas of our brain in higher concentrations because the brain needs that efficient energy production because it's so complicated, which is why the brain is so susceptible to damage because it's in that dangerous mode, and as soon as you screw things up, you leak that radioactivity. It doesn't have as much buffering capacity as other tissues that are not as wed to the electron transport system. So, so what happens is when you take a cancer cell that hasn't been treated with chemo and you give a high dose of cannabis, and this is also true for other herbal remedies that have been used throughout history, they all, every herbal remedy ever used for cannabis that I can find turns on fat burning. So when you have a normal cell and you turn on fat burning, that's great. It recycles and fixes itself. But when you take a cancer cell that's already kind of modified its metabolism to deal with the free radicals that are creating the cancer imbalance in the first place, when you force them into burning fat, they can't tolerate the extra free radicals that result in the transition and they die. So that's how cannabis and herbs work, by forcing sugar-burning cancers into fat-burning mode. Uh -huh. But if, again, if you've undergone chemo or radiation, you've selected already for mutations in the DNA that embed these alternate escape mechanisms that cells use. That's why when, you know, when they do a genetic analysis of a tumor, it's not one, one mutation, it's 50. Well, you made those 50 with your chemo, and they don't get it, you know, because the chemo just causes an imbalance but doesn't kill those cells that are in S phase and the cells that are in S phase, S stands for synthesis. Synthesis of what? Synthesis of the DNA. So when cells replicate their DNA, GOD has selected for them to turn off the electron transport system so they reduce the likelihood of screwing themselves up. But now, of course, if you go and you try to kill those cells, those are the ones that will not amplify the damage of your killing mechanism in order to kill those cells. Instead, It'll just embed in the DNA uh, the survival mechanisms required to ultimately kill the person. Thank you, chemo. So to the people who achieve remission utilizing chemo, what, what do you, and, and obviously, you know, I, I don't know if it's obvious, though, there's, there's, there's plenty of people out here who say, hey, I use chemo, I don't have cancer anymore. There's plenty of people who come to me that say, yeah, I had cancer, you know, years ago, and yeah, I did a lot of chemo, and yeah, I have one now that's worse. Um, well, that's right there. That's exactly the issue, you see, because when you're treated with chemo or radiation, you're using something that causes cancer. So if you did that same treatment on somebody who didn't have cancer, you're going to find that out of a population, you're going to get a whole bunch of them that now have cancer. So that's exactly what happens. You select for these altered forms, in particular ones that can burn fat and burn carbohydrates, you basically create multi-fuel vehicles that they just adapt to the stresses. And it's under those conditions that you have to take some additional means like intravenous vitamin C uh, to overload the cells with free radical production because they've become too flexible in their ability to uh, adapt to your efforts. Some cancer cells actually 
when they really become a good multi-fuel vehicle like that, uh, they actually grow from the treatment. You know, you radiate them, they grow more. Radium, they grow more. Treat them with chemo, they grow faster. Because their solution has become the divide. So you, those are the ones that need to be overloaded. You know, and when you look at, like, these triple negative breast cancer cells, those are very overloaded cells with free radicals. Their balloon is ready to burst. It's just that you got to know how to burst it. And uh, obviously, most doctors are doing the wrong thing, but those seem to work from what I'm seeing and hearing more than seeing. Uh, cannabis is very effective for those, especially, in particular, if they haven't been generated by the chemo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously, you know, for the person sitting in the hot seat to say, hey, what do I do? You know, I have people in a very expensive building in a suit who went to school for a long time telling me that this is what they would do. This is what's available. And, you know, that this is generally, you know, some form of chemo or radiation. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard that targeted radiation, you know, in specific areas could be safer than, of course, more general kinds of radiation. Though I think that um, I it's I never want to tell anybody, you know, what to do. Who you know, um, we always want to make our own choices, and then there's those of us who want help making our choices or want recommendations, and and so I just want to give out, you know, education, and I feel like once we learn numbers, then we have the ability to learn how you know math. And and once we learn the letters, we can learn how to form words and how to speak. And so once we learn about our endocannabinoid system, uh, once we learn about our body and learn about nutrients and hydration and, and good water and these kinds of, you know, breathing techniques, then we have an easier time putting one plus one to get to two. And that two, well, in this I case, is our, our healing. 100% I agree with you. That's why what I've done is I've created a platform on which you can examine what's going on from a different perspective. All I'm suggesting is that this is a new way of looking at things. It's 100% consistent with the scientific literature, and it provides for an easy understanding of things that we see, like, for example, numerous people that have gone through chemo uh, and are now resistant, and they come to, to the cannabis community, and they get cured. Uh, I'll give an example. I was speaking with some people I know, actually the brother of a friend, and he was really upset. He, he just found out that he had prostate cancer. He had his numbers were, I think, 177 for a PSA, and they told him it had metastasized all over his body. I said, well, listen. They haven't done any of the right measurements because what they did was they measured the ability of this cancer to migrate. But what they haven't measured is what it's using for fuel to migrate. And as long as you haven't been treated, the chances are this is what's called a, you know, a, a cell that's powered by aerobic glycolysis or the Warburg effect that was discovered in 1928 that says cancer cells like sugar and, and acid. Well, they like sugar because they're burning energy inefficiently, so they need more than otherwise. And it's not that they like acid. They make acid out of the sugar they burn inefficiently. So the point here is these are the cells that were replicating 
when you, they were treated with chemo and they were selected for by the mechanism that I described. So uh, you have to shut off that escape pathway. So uh, my friend, I told him, get on a ketogenic diet, take vitamin D, that turns on fat burning, take alpha lipoic acid, that turns on fat burning, take chondroitin sulfate, that turns off the ability to use aerobic glycolysis. And he did that. And within uh, three weeks already, he was way down. And he went, I think it was within three weeks, he went from 177 to two. <laughs> wow. And he says, I've never felt better. So, you know, th these are the kinds of things that can be done and are done routinely around the world by people who use high-dose cannabis. And I've been recommending these additional nutraceuticals and more and more people are doing them, and we see tremendous benefits, especially using the same platform and concept for other illnesses like MS. You're saying that metabolism or fat burning has the ability to affect many ailments. Well, once again, when you're burning sugar, you're making things efficiently, but you're also, if there's excess, you're creating damage. And there's an easy way to determine whether a person has excess or not. Look at them. If they have any fat on them, that's because their body said, I, my cell, the cells were saying, I don't want to die. I'm not going to continue supporting your poor diet. I'm going to turn some of that carbohydrate into fat. The fat that clogs people's arteries, the fat that clogs people's brains, that's all caused by sugar. It's not made from fat. It's made from sugar. And it's because you're not burning enough fat, and so you have to then make fat. <laughs> and the, the thing that's important to understand is that the essential fats, the omega-3s, like that we find in hemp seed oil, uh, in particular omega-3s, turn on fat burning. So uh, all of those things that do that are good for us, and they turn out to be seed oils, olive oil, Olive oil directly turns on the CP2 receptor and turns on fat burning. Again, if you're diabetic, it's because your cell says, screw you, I'm not going to let you poison me to death. I'm not going to take any more of your insulin. I'm not going to eat any more of your sugar. So what do you now have? Diabetes. So stop eating sugar, start eating more cannabinoids and antioxidants, and the diabetes goes away. Sounds great. <laughs> well, there's a common logic here you know once you understand how life works you understand that all diseases have a common etiology and that is a metabolic imbalance that could be caused by genetics if you get too much sunlight i'm not denying the classical approach i'm saying it needs to be extended because it can't account for life whereas what i'm telling you accounts for life and incorporates the old way of thinking as well it just extends it in a way that now gives a sound explanation for understanding life, death, health, and illness. You know, I was making a post last night, and it got erased, so <laughs> I abandoned it, and I, I wrote a lot. And it was about the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's so much in life that so many potentials, and to we have the ability to address things in different ways. And while we have protocols that 
are, you know, obviously well studied. Anybody who's a, a medical doctor has gone through extensive uh, schooling to, in order to feel comfortable telling people their recommendations and, and of course, working on, on people. And so it's, you know, my father's a doctor, so I know the kind of qualifying processes, or at least I, I have a taste of the kind of qualifying processes that, uh, that are done when considering what to apply to life. And, you know, without, you know, forming, you know, uh, I, it's important to me that I'm inclusive, you know, farms, not farms, just in itself can put people on guard who need pharmaceuticals. And so I'm not, you know, it's my intent to just simply educate about um, safe and natural protocol uh, uh, options. And I don't believe that most pharmaceuticals are useful. And I say that as a person who's taking one that I believe is helping save my life because of my arrhythmia. But in general, I think that we do not need pharmaceuticals. Most of them are not uh, health promoting. They are symptom relieving at best. And as a consequence, the underlying cause of the illness that's creating the symptoms is left in place. And that leads to my point of, you know, conventional versus original, traditional, and or, you know, potentially even holistic. And to address the bigger picture and to get to the root of the issue, you know, what's happening that's creating this issue. And so... That's why my book addresses all of that. That's the whole point, you know, of explaining how we work on the most fundamental level so we can understand what we are and really why we're here. We're nothing but probes and adaptability. That's what, you know, in the image of God, well, God's image is creation, so we should therefore be creative. It doesn't mean we look like this creature. It means we're part of this, you know, universal energy that has this quality of creating. And in fact, evolution is God's most spectacular work. Let's speak our prayers. What would you love to create and see created? Well, what I would love is what I see happening. I see the cannabis awakening spreading around the world. That makes people more conscious. It also means that we have higher levels of cannabinoids, which is what always has occurred in the evolutionary process. And because we live in an extremely stress-promoting environment, be it from the, the politics or the poisons in the food and the air or the poisons in the pharmaceuticals, no matter where you look, humanity is undergoing additional stress. And stress means free radicals, and free radicals are dealt with ultimately by the endocannabinoid system. So what I'm suggesting is that under these conditions of stress, the more cannabinoids we have, will make it more likely that we will survive as individuals and that we will function in a harmonious collective fashion socially. And because I've been fortunate enough to know the most brilliant man on the planet who has created clean energy solutions for mankind, I believe that, and this now being implemented, I believe that what we will see over the next few years is a transformation so profound, it's like the introduction to the automobile or the computer, except now we will have clean energy, and it will transform our whole financial structure as well. And I'd like to see that occurring in combination with our awareness of the endocannabinoid system and the nature of life so that we can finally have heaven on earth. Oh, man. What is that clean energy? Well, there's two. There's wind rings and there's the ability to um, 
split water in unique ways and generate clean energy and clean water. Where the revolution it? is happening, believe me. And where is it being applied? Right now, the wind is being applied in Korea, and the uh, the alternative uh, sources are going to be here in the U.S. Beautiful. And but it looks once these are publicly known and understood. There's no way that anybody will not demand them, number one. And that's exactly what we see with the cannabis awakening. We will no longer tolerate governments that force us to pollute and force us to pollute ourselves with poisonous foods and air and everything else. It's time that we have the voice of the people known. And people are really, for the most part, not interested in spending our weapon, our money on weapons, etc. Uh, the climate of the, of the world is undergoing changes. That's part of what's going on. And in order for us to survive the numerous challenges that we're going to face, we're going to need cooperative governments who are not focused on insanity like the drug war, and who are so you know we started this I want to, where I, I haven't finished where I really wanted to start please I've sent out that book to close to 200 people and nobody responds they don't say you're an idiot they don't say brilliant they don't respond period this includes all of the members of the National Institute uh, advisory board for the Cancer Society it includes the head of the NIH the head of the NCI there is something wrong with our professional establishment. We have selected for backward-looking blips, cannabinoid-deficient people who follow orders and who've been so indoctrinated they cannot change their mind when presented with alternatives. And that's exactly the characteristic of mice that have had their CB1 receptor genetically eliminated. They sit and shiver in fear because they can't buffer stress. And they also die young. And that's what the government wants us to be. Their policies are promoting our death and our fear. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tough when there's, in reality, people who are working to control others. And, you know, it's the intent of this show to bridge gaps and ultimately create harmony. And so... I I think that it's important for us to feel and then we have the ability to, you know, make more of an informed choice. And, you know, obviously any one of us who is attached to the latter end of the drug war has, you know, ability to be upset. And then, of course, people on the side of control... You know, if you're looking to 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 control, then you're gonna be upset if people if if there's something standing in the way of that. So, is there uh, a happy medium? And you know, obviously, uh, there's a yin and a yang, and then there's the dot on in each side of the groups who. You yeah, know, but there's, there's a fundamental discrepancy here because what we have is big pharma being the number one lobby in our government owning the politicians who are making the laws that favor big pharma. They, try to, they want to squeeze out nutraceuticals. They want to squeeze out cannabinoids because big pharma is interested in one thing and one thing only, making more money, not your health. 
So unfortunately, the flow-dependent structure that constitutes our healthcare system and our financial system as well is not designed to help we, the people. It's designed for the profit of this few who are sitting there controlling it all and who are typically primitive, cannabinoid-deficient, backward-looking people, not the people of the future, not the people who will give us survival. So do you think or feel there is a way, you know, I I guess I know the answer to the question that do you think or feel there's a way to get to inspire people of this, you know, uh, consideration on board with the reality also of our, the way our bodies work and, and, and who we are as people and our, you know, ability to respond to each other with care and compassion and to help each other when we're, when we're in an emergency or we need help. And so I think that you would likely answer cannabis. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, absolutely, because, again, because of these stresses that we have, we need cannabis and diet. The two of them go hand in hand. We need to stay away from carbohydrates. We need to consume more healthy fats. We need to eat organic food. We should never buy stuff with poison on it. That's how Monsanto and Bayer get supported, by us buying their poison. So the more we educate people and they understand how they work, what they need to do to make themselves and their children and their parents healthy, then we increase the, you know, the shift away from the synthetic chemicals, the synthetic food, the synthetic news, the synthetic science, and we settle down into a future whereby what we are going to be doing is selecting for cannabinoid enrichment metabolically until we evolve to the next level, which will no longer be homo sapiens, it'll be canis sapiens, where we have sufficient cannabinoid activity to be open-minded, loving, and kind. What do you say to the people who are unable to tolerate cannabis? Goodbye. No. (laughs) (laughs) Different ways you can approach it because you make cannabinoids from essential fatty acids. So with the right diet and the right right nutraceuticals, you can mimic a lot of these things. And there's, you know, people are tolerant or intolerant in different ways to different degrees. And there are ways to deal with these things, you know? Perfect. So that's precisely what I, you know, what I wanted you to touch on is the variabilities regarding options and and everybody's different so you know there's those of us who are going to feel the need to have thc in our body there's people who will not tolerate that there's people who um you know there's all sorts of people though the fact that remains that we're people and and we have an endocannabinoid system all vertebrates do as i understand it and so with that in mind that means that we have endogenous cannabinoids called anandamides right and well, anandamide is one type. It's actually okay. more diverse than that. Okay. With that, if we have an endocannabinoid deficiency, if our body's not creating enough endogenous cannabinoids, then we can supplement with cannabinoids like cannabis and or with omega-3s that can help us produce more cannabinoids? Absolutely. As well as, you got to remember, psychoactive cannabinoids are in mother's milk. And human mother's milk is also extremely high in long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids. Well, there's two things to keep in mind. Polyunsaturated fatty acids turn on fat burning, number one, but they're also how we make our endocannabinoids. 
So mother's milk has these compounds, both in the form of cannabinoids and their precursors. And those precursors are DHA and EPA, which are long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acids that you get in fish oil and uh, you know various other products, but mostly coming from fish oil, which is a problem because our oceans are polluted, et cetera, et cetera. So it all comes, everything's integrated with everything else. There's no isolation. We have to fix the whole problem. And the whole problem is that the world is driven by fear, insecurity, greed, and stupidity. We can't have a healthcare system if we've designed a wealth care system. <sighs> this is true. You know, we're forced to follow the wrong science and given the wrong... And we're forced into that by our government. We're forced to take vaccines that are highly toxic. They, You know, this is just nonsense. We follow up on all the... On all the uh, um, info that's coming out, leaked info about the CDC and their criminal activity. It's really, it, the governments in general of the world, I see, have evolved into basically corrupt mafias, and the people are, you know, are the slaves to, to, to the strong arm tactics of the fascist pigs of the world on the left and the right. There's a sovereign movement of people who you know are ultimately deemed uh and perhaps even self-proclaimed anarchists though that word tends to be you know convoluted and and no i I agree exactly I, i know where you're going i agree with that completely and to you know that threatens quote unquote the establishment for the people of the system, those of us, you know, it's, it's people tell me it's an extreme consideration, though I like to say free-range slaves, and those of us who have to play a part in order for this system to continue, and for for those of us a part of the system to fear less and to love more and to follow our passions and and, you know, and feed the people in the streets and grow, you know, medis- uh, plants with beneficial properties and, um, you know, and share them. And this type of thing is not the norm and is taught as, uh, you know, something that is even dangerous. And so I think, you know, the more that we experience the more that we have the ability to fear less. I agree. You know, we have to learn and we have to work cooperatively together and there will be things occurring as, you know, as we're seeing the weather changing patterns, this is all part of the chemistry set undergoing changes and that change will demand for survival, the evolution of sapiens because the world cannot continue. When we, when we start to see more and more natural disasters people are not going to want the money spent on weapons they're going to want the money spent on helping other people and fixing the problems that that we've created in part and and having to deal with new solutions that are going to become available because of the new technologies some of which i've described as we conclude do you know much about the effects of breathing techniques on our cell's ability to operate or our body's ability to function at a high level? I'm not sure. What do you mean by breathing techniques? 
I'm not sure what you're asking me. I guess what I have been learning is that when we're in a state of panic or when we're in a state of more or less dis-ease, we have short breath. And when we're at ease, we have long, deep breath. And when we have long, deep breath, we have the ability to release endorphins as well as potentially um, work, you know, toxins and then uh, on, on the breath out. And, um, and if when we have short breath, we don't have the ability to, A, take in enough oxygen to function at a proper level and do all the things we need. And B, perhaps we're keeping ourselves at a, at a different heart rate even. And um, we know that, you know, I work with some... Uh, caregivers that when they're administering cannabis oil or at least working with their patients, they check the blood pressure to make sure that the heart's staying at a nice uh, calm rate. And when it goes back up, that's when to dose again. And, um, you know, so breathing, I find, helps me stay in a happier place ultimately and, and more at ease and and more mindful. And I believe that I I've just been feeling better overall and I see that this is a, a shared um, practice in, in different cultures. So I wondered if you, you know, people come to me to say, hey, I want the magic oil or the magic pill. And, you know, I say, well, okay, I think that there's a recipe to this. And our conversation just went into, you know, a smorgasbord of, you know, the, ultimately the recipe for, um, you know, a recipe for sustaining life. And so I think that breathing is, is essential, or at least even how we breathe. So I just well, wanted to... Well, think about what breathing is doing. It's bringing in oxygen and it's getting rid of CO2 and water in, a, in the most ideal circumstances. When I talk about metabolism, that's why you're breathing. You're breathing so you can, uh, you know, process your food. And when you are burning energy efficiently, you're using less oxygen, but you're using the oxygen efficiently. And um, so we should have this as another discussion because we'll go on for hours again. Okay. But breathing has a lot to do with exercise, free radical generation, and, and what's going on in your body because that's, that's part of the flow because you need the oxygen to combine with the carbohydrates to burn the carbohydrates to make the CO2 and water and lactic acid and blah, 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 blah. So it all plays a part. That's kind of just what and I wanted to touch on. Everything is tied into everything else. It all has to do with energy flow and the creative nature of energy flow. It's all about God. Generalized open system dynamics. <laughs> Beautiful. The spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit. Thank God. <laughs> for, <laughs> for life and uh, for knowing each other and having the ability to share uh, here on this radio station. 93.1 Boulder and um, greenlightradio.com. Um, thank you for being a platform. And thank you, Dr. Bob, for just being you unapologetically. And, um, yeah, just keep spreading love and uh, feeling love. And you are loved. And as my friend Kenny Palermitano says, you are beautiful, you are powerful, you are free. Thank you. Be well, my friend. Thank you for what you do. Peace and love. Love. Love you. Take care, everyone. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Farms Not Farms on Pirate Radio. 93.1 FM Boulder. Greenlightradio.com Now you can stream us and download the podcast and iTunes. Check the link 
at farmsnotfarms.org. Information is free. If you've loved this podcast, share it with your friends on your social media platforms. Thank you for your support.